0: This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reineck. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. The stock market has been a volatile place to be the last three years. It had a major boom during the pandemic, and then it sold off last year in 2022. But the Magnificent Seven, formerly known as Fangman, had a big rally to start 2023, along with the growth stocks as well, and it seemed like everything was back on track with the growth stock side of things. But is it? Many of the growth stocks ended 2021 trading at sky-high valuations. Some of them were trading at 30, 40, or 50 times forward earnings or even more. Who could complain as earnings were also growing at a fast clip during that time period? But eventually, as those of us know in the value side, valuations do matter. And we seem to have come to that day of reckoning in the stock market. So I wanted to give some examples of a stocks I've been kind of watching where I can kind of see that valuation does now matter with these stocks. So the first one is Visa, ticker V. I've talked about it, I feel, on the show in the past because it just got really expensive and I took a deep dive looking at it. But it's been a big winner since 2008 when it had its IPO. It's up 1,372% in that time period. But over the last two years, which included last year's sell-off, it's up just 2.5%. In 2021, it was trading around 40 to 45 times forward earnings. In 2023, it's back to about 24 times. That's not dirt cheap, but comparatively to where it was during the pandemic, it's much cheaper. But can it get even cheaper than that? Usually valuations catch up with you, um, and that definitely happens when a bull market like the one we had during the pandemic ends, and we enter into you know a secular type of bearish market. You start to see stocks like Visa trading kind of sideways during those periods. Sometimes they don't fall all that much, but Even as they grow earnings, if it's trading sideways, the stock is still getting cheaper on a P.E. level. So somehow it gets back to more normalized valuations, even on these growth stocks. Another stock I wanted to look at was Netflix, formerly in Fangman. But it was kicked out of The Magnificent Seven. Like, how dare they, right? How dare you kick out Netflix and put in Tesla into The Magnificent Seven because Netflix was one of the biggest winners of the last 20 years. It actually went IPO 21 years ago in 2002, and the shares are up 35,561% during that time period. But over the last two years, it's doing what a lot of the other big growth names that were big winners are doing. And it's actually down. It's not even trading sideways like Visa is. It's down 40% the last two years. And it's still trading with a forward P of 34.3. So that's much cheaper than where it's been uh, occasionally over the last you know decade. Sometimes when I'd look at Netflix, it would be at like 70 times or 90 times earnings. So the PE is tracking towards a more normal growth level, but not cheap on a valuation basis like we consider here on the value investor. The stocks that lead the last bull usually do not lead the next. I've talked about this many times on the podcast because it's an important theme to keep in mind. Microsoft was a big winner of the 1990s, but it took 13 years to get back to that 2000 highs. And many of those years it was you know, either down or trading sideways for several years, which is a uh, I don't know which is worse for an investor. Sometimes the trading sideways seems almost worse because you're not really breaking down. So you're not getting the shares any cheaper, like where you're going to dollar cost average into them. But you're just hanging out in that same range for year after year while other things on the market are in a bull market or the, the market itself is in a bull market. So- It's really hard to be a long term holder of a stock that's kind of just trending uh, in that narrow range. So we'll see with the visa shareholders, right? Because it's been basically two years it's been in that range. If it goes into year three or even beyond that, how many are sticking around? That one does pay a dividend visa, but it's not all that great. So it's for now not enough to keep you in that stock. If you're not getting any share appreciation, so that's something to watch on those. But, um, you know, once you have that uh, secular bull ending and you enter a secular bear, that doesn't mean there's not a bull market somewhere. We always say that, right? There is always a bull market somewhere in some asset class. Or in some area of the stock market, so it is time to find the next bull stocks because they're already out there, and maybe you know they've even started their bullishness, but we're just not paying attention because we're still focused on the winners from the past. We're still focused on the Magnificent Seven, which are magnificent. There's no doubt about it; these uh, trillion-dollar companies, but. I think that the next bull is outside of those magnificent seven stocks that are still very expensive. And normally we find the next bull in the cheap areas. So how do we find that? How do we find value stocks that could be the next leaders? So just off the top, there is no secret formula. I really do wish I could run some kind of Zach screen that's like, you know, tell me all the next winners. Uh, We would all be, you know, on the beach in the Caribbean somewhere (laughs) with our drinks, right? But there is no secret formula, but there is a way to kind of narrow it down and to look for ideas among certain types of stocks. They may or may not work, but at least you can get a strategy on how to find the next leaders so the first kind of category a place you should look in in these kind of market conditions for the next leaders is the hated stocks that's the first area and what do i mean by that so for years as many of you know here on the podcast because you've heard me talk about it i was convinced the banks would finally break out they've been hated since the great recession And several times they were dirt cheap uh, over the last 15 years. And I thought, okay, this is the bottom, you know, how much worse can it get? This must be the bottom. But I've been wrong about the bottom still. The stocks are still hated. So maybe that's a sign because they are, you know, when they get get even more hated (laughs) and nobody wants to own them. That is usually when value presents itself, right? Uh, but we had the banking crisis earlier this year where we had Silicon Valley Bank go under and a couple of the others. And a lot of the bank stocks made multi year lows again. They weren't like multi decade lows, not yet. <laughs> not yet, I say, but they were multi year lows. And some uh, were definitely, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater on the regional bank side. So could there be uh, you know, future leaders among the banks, because those are the hated stocks. Maybe Warren Buffett thinks so, right? So I took a look at Bank of America, BAC. We've talked about it many times on the show. It's a big position in Buffett's portfolio. He's been holding it. He's been very patient with it. The five-year return now is actually down 3.2% over the last five years it's not all the way down to those 2020 pandemic lows yet but it's getting close to actually hitting that kind of panic when the pandemic hit low um so is this a sign does it have to take that out to get back down to those lows before you know we see maybe some kind of turnaround it has been a 15 year bear But there's no rule that says it can't go 20 years on the bear or even 30 years. That's the difficulty with the hated stocks or even being a value investor in these areas that have been out of favor for so long. That's why I keep getting it wrong. Buffett was in Huge number of banks over the last couple of years, but he's finally eliminated nearly all of them except Bank of America. So apparently, he and the two lieutenants have thrown in the towel mostly on the banks recovering. So, what does that mean? Um, if even the greatest value investor does think that, you know, it's not looking good over the next several years, maybe for the banks, but nobody knows, nobody has a crystal ball. And I took a look at Bank of America's cheapness again. P.E. is at 7.4. But remember, price-to-book is used more for banks. It's at 0.78. And you remember the saying, buy at one, sell at two. For the price-to-book ratio, this is under one. So it's like extreme value. Dividend is now yielding 3.8% because the shares have pulled back a lot in the last couple months here in 2023 again. So you're getting that bigger dividend, but five-year return now down 3.2%. So it's hard to bet on the banks right now as the next leaders because they're so hated. This is what makes our job hard. But take a look at any of those areas that are really hated. There's others more than the banks, Um Look around, snoop around in those sectors. Take a look at those earnings estimates. Are they turning around? The thing that intrigues me about the banks at this point is that the earnings are turning around on some of the banks, at least for this year. And it depends on if you're the big bank or if you're a community bank. You know, Their business models are different. So definitely, you have to know what you're looking at. But Bigger banks like JP Morgan, for instance, their earnings expected to be up over 30% this year and um, little, not as much growth, maybe not any for next year. It's unclear yet, but still that's pretty impressive. And I do like to think my next leaders in the next bull will have the earnings growth. So keep that in mind when you're looking at the hated stocks. There might be a reason they're hated, but check those earnings estimates. Okay, the second way to maybe find the value stocks that could be the next leader is the out-of-favor stocks. Now, I chart that as different than the hated ones because the banks right now are like truly hated. Nobody wants to own those. Out-of-favor, I would put energy into out-of-favor. It was hated a couple of years ago, but since it's rallied a bit, Um, In the last couple of years, it's not as hated. And I feel like more investors are at least a little bit willing to consider energy and because the stocks have performed so much better. The bank stocks have not. They've fallen back down again. But energy was the best performing sector in 2021 and 2022. It was the worst performing S&P 500 sector to start 2023, but it's turned it around and it is one of the better outperformers here in the second half. We'll see what it does, you know, into the end of the year. But it hasn't been, uh, you know, terrible for the energy stocks. But it remains in the doghouse because it's fossil fuels. We have the climate change issues. A lot of people don't want to own it for those reasons, and also the belief that it's basically in a dying industry. Why do you want to buy companies that might only be in business a couple more years? But that scenario, the timeline scenario, seems to be changing recently with the Reality that it is going to take us a little bit longer to change over to the electric vehicles. We still need oil, natural gas um, to heat, to fly for various other things, and that it will be a lot longer transition over. And some of the fossil fuel companies themselves have gotten into the energy transition part of things with renewable energies themselves. So, you know, I don't blame people who wants to invest in blockbuster video. Once Netflix came around, that's kind of what it is like with the fossil fuel companies on the energy side. But that also means they're they are still out of favor. They are still cheap. I took a look at two of the big oils this time. So as many of you know, in various energy podcasts I've done, I've been a big believer in buying the producers alone not the big oils not the refiners not even the service side so much but just the producers because they're usually the best performers in an energy bull market like as a stock but now big oil they too have figured it out <laughs> and they've been buying up a lot of the producers to gain more production uh you know it's just faster they have a lot of cash on hand after last year's high energy prices and good free cash flows. And so they've decided to invest in buying up more fields and more production by buying the uh, rivals on the production side. So ExxonMobil recently announced that they are buying Pioneer Natural Resources, Exxon, XOM. Pioneer is PXD. I've talked about Pioneer many times. I own it. I own it in the value investor and my own personal portfolio. It's the largest producer in the Permian some of its fields are right up against Exxon's that are in the Permian. So this deal makes some sense from Exxon's point of view. It's going to massively enlarge its Permian uh, capabilities. And they have said that they expect to be drilling 1.3 million barrels a day just out of the Permian. And for those of you not aware of oil and what what the – What does that even mean? Who cares like how much they're doing out of there? That sounds like a lot. And it is because some countries aren't even drilling one million barrels a day. You know, some of the mean oil producer countries, some are drilling way underneath it, like Venezuela. So the fact that ExxonMobil will be drilling more just out of its Permian position than uh, some countries overall tells you the massive size of this deal. Exxon is still cheap. It's trading at 11.6 times. Those estimates are on the rise again because oil prices are up and natural gas has come off of its recent lows. They also have a big, um, well, they have the refining, they have the service stations. Those are all the things I don't like that much, but I'll take them to get the production And they also do have a big chemical business, which I've always liked at Exxon. So a lot of different moving parts with a big company like Exxon. But as you're in a bull with energy, they've got the cash, they've got the engineering capabilities. And so sometimes it pays to go with the big guys during the bull too. Um, They do pay the dividend. It's yielding 3.4% right here. So that's pretty good, and they do have the history of raising it, so I would expect them to raise it a bit even with this deal. It is isn't all stock deal, so um, they're not using any of their cash really for it. So that's Exxon XOM, and then we have Chevron, its competitor CVX. They went out and recently announced they're going to buy Hess, one of my other favorites on the production side, Hess ticker H-E-S. The reason I've always liked Hess, and certainly in recent years, is because they are big in Guyana. That's the next big area with a lot of uh, oil reserves, at least we think so, in the ground there. Um, It's uh, a lot of people drilling there. And um, Hess actually is in a partnership with Exxon. So it's kind of risky to drill in these areas, Where no one knows for sure what you're going to get out. Like they believe oil is there. They have to drill in the offshore, you know, maybe a deep well just to even test and see what results. So for now, in Guyana and in Suriname, which is like right nearby, the companies that are drilling there are partnering with each other. So um, Hess had partnered with Exxon Mobil to share the cost, to share the risks, and to combine forces to get in there, and then they share the wealth too. So now we have Chevron buying Hess. So technically, Chevron, if the deal goes through, is now going to be in partnership in Guyana with Exxon. But I am a big fan of Guyana and in Suriname. On the Suriname side, you have APA, who is partnered with uh, the French giant total. Um, And so they're in the partnership over there. So for now, nobody's buying APA that we know of. I own APA. I've talked about them on the podcast. That's my longest hold for for my life, basically. Um, But I do recommend people going to listen to that podcast. But out of favor, energy, it's still a value chevron paying 3.9% dividend a little bit higher i now own chevron in my own personal portfolio but only because they bought earlier this year a producer that i owned so when that was bought out it was an all share deal this deal with hess i believe is that's an all share deal too and so you end up owning these big guys even if you didn't want to it looks like i'm going to own both of them now but maybe that's a sign that uh, you know I need to be in some of the big oils as we head into the like the middle part of this energy bowl. and uh, that's when getting it out of the ground is important, and that's what these big oil companies are really trained to do. So. We have Exxon and Chevron out of favor, big oils that are still pretty cheap. They haven't reported yet when I'm recording this, but given all these deals, they have been in the media talking. Chevron recently raised its dividend 8% for the fourth quarter. So they are trying to reward shareholders with some of their cash on hand. And um, again, both of them are very shareholder friendly. So that's the second kind of strategy you could use. But the third one is just basically stocks that are being ignored. (laughs) And this is the hardest one to find because if they're being ignored, how are you gonna find out about them, right? So I really deploy the Zacks rank to find out about them because what I want is a company where it has solid earnings and that they maybe are on the rise. The analysts are raising them because something good is going on at that company. Now that doesn't necessarily mean they're gonna be cheap, or that they are going to be the future leaders of a bull. But if they are, say, beating every quarter on the analyst consensus, and they're raising estimates while they're doing it, the beat and the raise, right now, during this kind of economy, and with the Fed tightening, I would say something good is kind of going on there. Um, But- this is actually happening in, in real time with a stock I've mentioned before on the podcast, and they just reported earnings. And once again, they beat and they raised, and it's Vertiv, ticker V is in Victor, R is in Robert, T. I own it in Zach's. Uh, value investor portfolio. I don't yet own it in my own, but every time I do this on the podcast, I'm like, why aren't I buying it? Um, I'm just getting greedy, I feel. I'm waiting for it to get a little cheaper. So remember, Vertiv is a global provider of critical digital infrastructure. So what does that mean? Well, for our purposes, they are involved in the data centers, and that's on the AI side. They're doing a lot of the AI build out, They're kind of like a consulting firm for this kind of stuff. So they're not like Sterling Infrastructure that's building the actual data centers, but they're global. So all of this AI stuff is going on globally. And in the third quarter where they beat and then raised, they saw sales up 18%. They now have a record high backlog of $5 They raised their 2023 adjusted free cash flow guidance by $50 million to $650 million from $600 million. And they said their end markets remain healthy and momentum continues. They are going to have an investor day in the end of November, so they'll have more to discuss on the investor day. So the beat was 52 cents versus 44 cents. Um, And so I saw the stock initially pop on this news because why wouldn't it? I've been waiting to see what it would do. The stock had weakened a bit here on this pullback in the overall stock market and there was no news out of them. And it was unclear. Were they going to be able to beat again? And were they going to raise again? would it keep up that kind of you know, red-hot momentum? Remember, full-year earnings are expected to be up over 200%. So eventually, they can't keep that up, or at least we don't think they can. So the stock had meandered down a bit. It wasn't terrible, it wasn't falling off a cliff, but it had weakened. But on this news, it was up about 10% initially. But it's a red day on Wall Street again, and the growthy type stocks are being sold off. So it is now down 6% when I'm recording this. I don't know what it'll end up for the day, but I'm suddenly liking that it's down because I'm a value investor and I'd like to get it cheaper because those earnings estimates are going to be raised again. So now, right now, it's trading at 24 times before anything that they said is included in the earnings estimates by the analysts. So uh, that's a little pricier than what I normally would want. I mean, that's trading what Visa's trading at, but with 200% (laughs) earnings growth expected. So if it pulls back further here on just overall stock weakness, um yeah I'm keeping it on my watch list and um you know I'm I'm definitely considering when I might want to get in but if I can get it cheaper as a value investor of course I would love to so Vertiv is one of those that's kind of, uh, well, it is being ignored. I see it mentioned occasionally on like CNBC because it has been beating and raising, and it is up big on the year. So it comes up as one of the stocks with big momentum this year, and because it's in the data center and AI side of things. But on this earnings beat and raise, for the third quarter, I didn't see it get mentioned at all. It gets lost amidst the Magnificent Seven reports and even companies like Visa and these other big cappers that are reporting because it, it's being ignored. Basically, um, you know, the, the market isn't really focused on it. And that's when you can start to find some leaders, um, you know, for the future On these names, where they really are uh, performing very well, but nobody is really, you know, buying in yet, um, so to speak. Like the the big masses haven't really discovered them. Sometimes you just stumble across these ignored companies. I owned Donnelly Financial, which is a company, it's a software firm that does uh, the software that companies use to go IPO, to file all of their SEC required requirements you need software to do all that they're not the only ones that do it but they are one of the bigger ones that supply it and they've gotten really popular now during the pandemic donnelly financial which is ticker d as in david f as in frank i n d fin d f i n uh they uh their stock soared they were very cheap i owned it in the zacks value investor Uh, They were trading at like six or seven times right when the pandemic hit. They're a small cap. They still are 1.5 billion market cap. So not really known, not really talked about. But um, if you went IPO or SPAC, you basically became one of their customers. (laughs) So suddenly they had all this business when we had record IPOs and record SPACs going during the boom times. But the stock did come way down last year because a lot of that business went away. However, um, over the last two years, the shares are up 40% still. And over the five-year period, they're up 242%. So they have still managed to uh, rebound and have a nice go here. And I feel like that's because once you are a customer, so once you go IPO, you still have to use their software. So they're not bringing in as many of the new customers as they clearly did during the pandemic. But once you have to file all the forms with the SEC as a public company or even as a SPAC company, you continue to do it. And IPOs have been pretty dead here in 2023, and certainly SPACs have been too, but not completely completely dead and eventually it will pick up again. So how cheap is the stock right here or is it cheap? It was again trading at like six or seven times when I got in it. We did sell out by the way um, to cash in on our big gains in it. But it's now trading at 17 times. So that's not super expensive but I would like to get it a bit cheaper and it has come down off of its recent highs. So I'm watching this one too, but this is one that the Zacks Rank gave me. And then when I did a deeper dive, I was like, hey, you know what? This is kind of an interesting business and it's subscription-based, which I like a lot. You you know, get the subscription to the software and basically you always have it. <laughs> like you, You have to keep using it for the most part. Um, so Donnelly Financial is one of those. You just kind of stumble across these ignored companies. I I don't recall a time ever of anybody talking about it on CNBC. Maybe they did, and I wasn't listening at that time, but it's some of these smaller companies that will be the leaders in the next. Bull market, or not even market, but where we'll find the next bulls, even within a bigger bear market. And it's usually in the value stocks. And, um, you know, growth kind of takes a step back because of the valuations and the cheap stocks rise to the forefront. But will it be the banks? will it be energy keep going with its recent momentum or will it be some of these you know uh kind of ignored or not talked about stocks in the hot areas like ai and um you know even like the weight loss and those drugs and things like that we'll see as we move forward i wish i had a crystal ball so that I would know maybe i have to consult the magic eight ball <laughs> maybe maybe it knows but all we can do is look around for the best companies remember you are an owner of the companies and Companies that are growing their earnings and that are still cheap, that is the combination that gets us the good results. So let me recap the stocks I talked about on this episode. So there was Visa. It has uh it is trending treading water here, but it is a lot cheaper than it used to be, trading at 24 times now. Ticker V. Then there's Netflix down 40% over the last two years. It too has gotten cheaper, but not really cheap at 34 times Ticker, NFLX. Uh, then we talked about the banks. I use Bank of America again because it is sliding again. And it looks like maybe it's trying to form some kind of new five-year low. So you might want to look at some of the banks or maybe not. Maybe you've had enough of the banks and maybe that's a sign too, but that ticker BAC. Then we had Exxon Mobil, ticker XOM and Chevron CVX, making a lot of waves with these huge mega deals, some of the biggest in their history. And this is a out of favor area, that maybe you should be uh, researching a little bit more. Then uh it talked about the ignored stocks. There's Vertiv, which is V is in Victor, R is in Robert, T is in Tom. And then I mentioned Donnelly Financial, making that software that everybody has to use. That's what I like. D is in David, F is in Frank. I, N as in Nancy, Fin. So as always, I try to bring you as many value stocks as I can. There are a lot out there right now, even if you just do the screens, we are in the middle of earnings season once again. So that means those earnings estimates are going to change And it's going to be um, interesting to see how many value stocks can get that Zach's number one rank. I'll be covering some of those on future episodes as we move along this earnings season, because it's not a bad time to be a value investor, even with the weakness in the overall market. That means we're getting things on sale. That's always a good thing and it, you know you're a value investor if you like to get your stock as it as it uh, sinks there or gets a lot cheaper and I know I like to get it then so keep that in mind. We're going to be covering all of that on future episodes. You can get them all at uh, Apple, Spotify, we're on Amazon Music and on YouTube at Zach's Podcasts. But be sure to get us somewhere and I'll see you again next week with some more value stacks.